0: Good morning. It's good to be here, and I'd like to welcome all of you to our Prairie Doc radio program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc, is unable to be with us today, so I'm happy to welcome Deb Johnston, a family medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group Bookings. Hi, Deb. Hi, Joan. It's good to be here. Well, I would so appreciate you coming, and it's always an interesting show when you're here. Before we get going with medicine, I want to remind our listeners that they can live stream both the audio and video of our program on their computer. Deb and I both combed our hair this morning, so we're ready to be on video. (laughs) Uh, We are on the web at prairiedac.org. Pull up the page, choose radio from the list at the top of the page, then you'll see the arrow pointing to our program today. If you want to watch previous programs, they're also listed there. So that's enough plug for the video. (laughs) If you're on KBRK, listening on your radio, that's the way to listen, right? Okay. (laughs) So, Deb, that's it. How about medicine today? Do you have anything in mind you want to discuss? Oh,
1: let's just talk about anything anybody's interested in.
0: Okay. Well, that's a real open call to all of you listeners. 692-1430. Get that phone ringing. feel like we're raising funds or something. (laughs) but, But we would like to hear whatever questions you might have. of a medical nature. Before we get started with that, we'll we'll give you time to call. Um, One thing has really been in the news, and this is a question I have of Deb, is the Zika virus. I have two uh, nephews whose wives are really concerned. They live in St. Louis. The wives both have one child, and they're both thinking they'd like to get pregnant again, and they're really scared. And then my sister-in-law was planning on taking them all to Florida in June. They're afraid to go. What do you think of zika virus and for especially when you have a lot of your patients who are pregnant age, age. right w- okay
1: reproductive age women yeah you know i think that there's a lot we don't know yet about zika virus one thing that women in South Dakota I I can reassure you about the virus the mosquito that carries Zika virus doesn't live in South Dakota so uh, for those of us who live here we don't need to be worried about this Um, women thinking about traveling particularly to uh, South American countries uh, you know there's a lot we don't know and it may be prudent to put off those travel plans uh, particularly again to Brazil and and those environments Uh, for a year or so so we can learn more and figure out what your risks might be what the risks might be um, it is important to realize that it is still a minority of uh, people that are affected by this that doesn't matter if it's you that's affected by it in your family that doesn't matter that you know one in a thousand or we don't even really know that information yet it doesn't matter that it's a small percentage if If you're the one if you're the one (laughs) um so there's a lot we don't know about it yet Uh, it just adds to that urgency of um, mosquito control and mosquito protection. I think uh, those of us that are a little older remember West Nile and when West Nile first um, made its w- or was recognized and made its appearance and how um, alarmed we all were about West Nile and it's still there and we just don't think about it. So,
0: Pretty well have it uh, under it control. We,
1: we, we understand a lot more about it now. Well my
0: heart does go out to women who are of the age Yes. Uh, to get pregnant, yes. I think it'd be just a horrible fear. It really I, would be.
1: I think so, and I think one of the big fears is we don't know how long, you know, I- is it something that it only affects you when you get infected during pregnancy? Is it something that's going to affect you for five years later, for 10 years later? We don't know those answers. So okay. I think until we know more um, exercise some precautions, I don't know that I'd worry too much about Florida. There's, there's not been much evidence for transmission in the United States yet. I think I'd go and and probably try not to go pregnant, but I'd just be real cautious with the sunscreen and the, of course, sunscreen, because that's my pet project, <laughs> but, but the bug spray and cover up and... and Protect yourself. Protect yourself from the well. These people
0: are truly aware of it, and that's good. And and you have allayed fears of any women in South Dakota because yes. that really isn't present. It's, fear. it's
1: really we don't have the mosquito that it's been found in. So good to know. We don't have to worry in South Dakota. That's great. To news. the state of our knowledge, as of yet.
0: Thank you. Okay. Well, we need to take a break now, and as we mentioned, we'd love you to give us a call with any questions you might have. 692-1430. Give us a call. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Dr. Holm is unable to be with us today so I'm happy to welcome Dr. Deb Johnston, a family medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. Deb has been our guest oftentimes on this program and it's always a day brightener when she walks in the door. Glad to have you here. Now you mentioned sunscreen just before we took a break and uh, I do know sunscreen is so important for people but I wonder too about children sometimes they say younger ones I don't know what the age you know what to tell people for sunscreen
1: you know I think it's important to recognize that I particularly worry about sun exposure in children because you know unlike you and I they have a whole lot of years to live in that skin so burns that happen sun exposure that happens to little people in a very real way matters more than sun exposure that happens to you and I um, so, I do recommend that parents be particularly cautious about sun exposure for their children infants you want to keep the sunscreen off of their hands because they don't want them eating it um, obviously physical methods covering up staying in the shade those kinds of things are a very important part of that sun protection but i don't hesitate to use sunscreen on babies too so you may want to look for the sunscreen for babies but um, and some people get real worried about the chemicals I just really recommend sunscreen.
0: Okay. And how about the level, you know, you can see it level 10, level 15, which I think is a joke, but you tell (laughs) me what you think.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, one of the things that I learned relatively recently about sunscreen is that the sun actually decomposes sunscreen. Uh, So you can put on SPF 50, but it's not going to last any longer than SPF 30 does. It'll block a higher percentage of the sun's ultraviolet rays but you can't extend out the time uh, and honestly SPF 30 is, is sufficient. You just need to remember to reapply and reapply and reapply.
0: Okay, so 30 is the number. That's the go one to go with. Sometimes the children's sunscreen, and I bought it for w- knowing my grandkids were meeting us in Florida, oftentimes the children is 50 but yeah and that's that's okay
1: it's okay you're not going to do any harm getting the SPF 50 you're just gonna spend more money
0: right okay but maybe the children's sunscreen might be a good one to use it might have less chemicals or something well
1: sometimes it's a little more hypoallergenic there may be less irritation to the skin you know a lot of times that's what you need to do is do a little bit of experimenting to find which one is easiest on your skin Mm the other thing to remember is that you don't want to use last year's sunscreen. You want to throw out and get new sunscreen because that chemical will degrade over time. So, last year's sunscreen isn't going to offer you the protection that a new bottle will.
0: That's good to know. A lot of us. We'll hold we'll it over. Hold it. and yep. you know. I've
1: been guilty of that, too. Oh, get rid of it. Okay. Get rid of it.
0: Well, I trust that answers any questions people might have about sunscreen. We hope you all use it and definitely yes, use it use in your it. children. Yes. Uh, we had a call come in. Thank you for the call. Yes. And this person would like to know... What can we do to get allergy relief? We
1: are definitely in that season. So uh, I will let's talk just uh, briefly about allergy shots. Um, you know, allergy shots are kind of our our holy grail of of allergy treatment. And I always tell people that I save allergy shots for people who have failed everything else, um, because it's a huge commitment on the part of the person, uh, and there's more risks involved with allergy shots. The other thing is that allergy shots is kind of a specific treatment, so I have to know what you're allergic to in order to design that serum and and to be uh, treating you with that allergy shots. And I don't have a test. I I don't have a Star Trek tricorder where I can run it over (laughs) you and say, what are you allergic to? Um, my allergist has to do and ask a specific question are you allergic to this are you allergic to that and that's how we discover that Uh, so if we don't ask the right question we might miss something that you are allergic to so uh, what I recommend is kind of a stepwise approach for allergy treatment Um, things like Zyrtec and Claritin and Allegra I usually recommend those over things like uh, Benadryl and chlorpheniramine, uh, chlorotrimaton because those are far less sedating Uh, Zyrtec and to a lesser degree Allegra can sedate a small percentage of people but usually if you take them at bedtime by the morning you're fine. Um, So those are are good first line therapy and they work quickly. They'll kick in within half an hour to an hour. So they're a good thing to start with. If that's not enough, the next thing to add in is the allergy nasal sprays, things like Flonase and NasalCort. And those are available over the counter now. The thing that you need to know when you're using those is that your nose doesn't go up, it actually goes back. So you think about the skulls that you see at Halloween. You don't want aim up towards the top of your head you want to aim back kind of towards back behind towards the middle of your ears Um, they also can cause some nosebleeds so I usually recommend what we call the cross hands technique where you use your right hand to spray the the left side of your nose and the left hand to spray the right side of your nose you're trying to aim straight back but this just kind of keeps you from angling just a little bit and spraying right on that septum the middle part of your nose uh, using a neti pot, which is kind of that nasal saline irrigation to wash the allergens out of your nose, that can be really helpful. Every time I tell somebody to do that, my toes curl a little because it sounds like the kind of thing they do to me in Guantanamo Bay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but People may m- not know what a neti pot, a neti pot. is. It's it's very it, un- it looks it like a little teapot, doesn't it, it? It does. It
1: looks like a little teapot or a little gravy boat, mm-hmm. and you mix up a saline, a buffered saline solution, and you pour it in your nose, and you pour it in one Side and it goes out the other, and it and my patients who do it love it they they say it makes them feel really good I have little kids who do it and will come dancing down the hall and tell me dr. Deb dr. Deb I love my daddy pot (laughs) because it keeps their allergies and sometimes even their asthma under good enough control that now they can go outside and play and they never used to be able to do that so I figure you know if if my 10 year olds my 8 and 10 year olds can do it I could put on my big girl panties and do it too but (laughs) but it it is something that a lot of people find really Really would you do disturbing. the neti
0: pot along with taking a pill I would, or I, I
1: would. it, it yeah. you know it, this is it, kind enhances of m- it this is kind of a mix-and-match sort okay. of things I mean some people find that um, they need to do this collection some people find they can do one some people find they can do two. some people find they need to do all of them I would not do the nasal spray and then the neti pot I would do the neti pot and then the nasal spray okay Okay. and then there are there's another medicine out there called singular which is by available by prescription, which I will add in uh, for people as well. And that can be um, a valuable allergy medicine. It's also used for asthma. Um, so those are kind of our, our bag of tricks before we get to the, to the allergy shots. And of course, the big thing is control of exposures so if you're allergic to the cat fluffy shouldn't sleep on your pillow (coughs) Um, if you're (laughs) if you're allergic to the the um, elm tree outside your window don't sleep with the window open Um, you know those are are just very common sense things reduce the exposure you have to
0: we didn't have items. air conditioning when our kids were young, and we had one son with extreme allergies, and we finally got a window air conditioner just for his bedroom. What a difference yep. it made. Uh, now, the other kids wanted to come in and sleep so in at nights, but that was <laughs> all right. He would just close the door and have that air-conditioned room, yep. and it was... Amazing yep, the difference yep. that made. So the,
1: having carpet can you know hold on to those allergens, and so having hardwood floors can be helpful. Um, you know there's all kinds of local infection or uh, allergen control measures you can take that can be really helpful and mm-hmm. and really important.
0: I have another question, since we're talking about allergies, yeah. I took claritin for a number of years, seemed to be less effective, and I switched to allegra. They're very similar. I found more effect. Can you just kind of stay on one too long and maybe switching might help? You
1: know, I, I hear that reported from patients a lot. Um, I I am not aware of studies that, that validate that, that okay. but I hear that All the time from people that this one stopped working and so they started using that one and then that one started working and they just kind of rotate through them. It's
0: It's okay to do that. It's okay to do that.
1: Some people also get some benefit from adding in pseudoephedrine, the D on Claritin D or or Zyrtec D. Some people have trouble sleeping, that's uh, when they do that. So that's just another thing to mention. All
0: right. Well, I think the person who called in with allergy certainly got a Thorough Careful. answer. No, a <laughs> thorough answer. And again, for those three meds that Dr. Johnson su- suggested to begin with, it was Allegra, Zyrtec, and Claritin, yep. in case they didn't and, catch that. And
1: in my family, we buy the generics. So don't think that you need to get the brand
0: name. The generics are just fine. Okay. Well, we're due to take a break. We appreciate the calls. If you have any other questions, give us a call at 692-1430, and we'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Duck Radio. I'm Joan Hogan, and in the studio with me, in Dr. Holmes' absence, is Dr. Deb Johnston, who is a family practice physician at the Vera Medical Group Brookings. Deb, good to have you here. Good to be here. Got another question. I think they know that you deal with children, so our question (laughs) comes in. I've read that fish oil helps improve children's attention and focus, especially helpful for children with ADHD. Fish oil is the omega-3 fatty acids. We hear about it all the time. What do you think?
1: I am not aware of any randomized, controlled, blinded studies that support that. Um, so I'm not aware of any, any quality data behind that. Now, having said that, I think there is a lot of data to say that uh, those omega-3 fatty acids, particularly from fish, are important to, to well-being and health um particularly if you get them from diet as opposed to from pills but as as hypocritical as it is for me to say it, I really don't like fish. So <laughs> I love fish. I, I don't like fish, and I appreciate people who like fish. Um, but I'm not one of them. So um, isn't it
0: in your Italian DNA to like fish? You would think so, but I would
1: guess. It, I'm surprised. It, I know. I, okay. I'm a bad Italian, I guess. <laughs> um, but no, I, I I think there's nothing wrong with with that fish oil, and and those omega three fatty acids can help with with bio- movements. And I think good nutrition in general is good for for just that mental well-being and that concentration. And another thing that can be really helpful is making sure that a child is getting adequate sleep. Um, but really, when you have a child that truly has ADHD, that's a child who is just inundated and can't tune out all the things that the rest of us can tune out easily. The, the noise in the background here, the, the cars going by, the chairs creaking, you know, they're on constant alert and getting distracted by that from what they're trying to focus on. They can't filter out what's not important. So, you know, there's a, there's some good data out there to say that parents can, can learn how to help their child focus how to um, that some some therapy some behavioral therapy some parent technique training for the parents can help that child it's very work intensive it's very time intensive to help that child learn how to focus on what's important but it really comes down to to needing medications for a lot of those kids Some of them will learn strategies over time and self-select into fields where they don't have to have that close focus and attention, um, but a lot of them just are going to need medication
0: Okay, well, I'm I'm not a fan of the medication for ADHD, and I and I know parents suffer with this and parents don't know which way to. It's really a it's tough thing. It
1: is. It's a really hard thing, and yeah. nobody wants to give their kids medication, particularly those medications, because you know they're controlled substances, and it's it's just a hard thing. But they can be truly revolutionary for kids. I can mean, be they very can helpful. They can really turn a kid who spends all night struggling to do their homework into a kid who is getting getting really good grades and feeling a lot more optimistic and a lot happier and a lot more confident in themselves. A kid that really has ADHD is at a much higher risk for developing a lot of other issues because they start thinking that they're stupid. They start They start getting socially isolated because they they are too distracted and impulsive and particularly as they get older they start other kids start not liking them because they can't read those social cues and they're not following those social skills and uh, they're blurting out they're interrupting they're impulsive they're pushing they're shoving so they Um, become even more isolated so they become more isolated and so you know it's not just about helping that kid get good grades it's helping that kid be successful and removing a barrier it's in a way you can think of it like you know well I don't like wearing glasses either but boy if I'm not wearing my glasses I'm gonna be I better be right up on top of the teacher or I'm not gonna be able to read the board You know, now we don't have chalkboards for (laughs) kids, but the 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 point still being that it's sometimes it's just a tool that that child needs in order to learn what they need to do to
0: go on to the next step. Have they discovered uh, these drugs have been used for at least twenty years now? Oh, oh, far longer. Okay, have they discovered that they reach an age where they go off the drugs and don't need them any longer? I'm curious about that. You
1: know, it it. S- there are a percentage of children that uh, kind of grow out of it but this is uh, the current research really indicates that this is a genetic condition you know it's it's not um, it's not something that they necessarily will grow out of so there's a significant percentage of people that still have those issues as they get older they learn to adapt they learn strategies to kind of compensate for it um, and again some of them will will go into fields where it's not such a big deal that they're multitasking all the time um, or getting distracted all the time so uh, not all people need medications Straight, their through home, their life. straight through their life um but adult ADHD is an increasingly recognized issue
0: so there are i'm sure quite a few adults who were never diagnosed as kids yes, and yes. and wondered why they were never successful in anything they right. did and they get on these meds, and it makes a big difference for them. Difference. So there are, there are positives for it. You know, there are positives yes. and negatives in everything Absolutely. you do. Well, we're going to take our next break. We appreciate these comments from Dr. Johnston. And if you have any questions, give us a call, 692-1430. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. If you've been listening this half hour, you've gotten the advice of Dr. Deb Johnston. In Dr. Holmes' absence, we're happy to have Dr. Johnston here. We've had some questions that relate to young people. We usually don't get those with Dr. Holmes because <laughs> Deb, he doesn't treat young people, and Deb Johnston is a family practice physician, so of course she has all ages and does have quite a few children in her practice. Uh, we have a question about concussions, and this is really. Uh, something that's so important now and we're we're learning so much more about them do you advise what advice do you give to parents of athletes who have sustained a concussion and really it doesn't have to be just athletes kids in a playground can get a concussion what do you think
1: yep I think it's really important to protect that child's brain until it's fully healed Uh, and that is a lot longer than we used to think and it's not something where you can say oh two days one day a week i mean you you really need to watch and see where that child's how that child's brain heals um, so there's not a one-size-fits-all answer to that it depends on the age of the child, the plasticity of their brain uh... the severity of the injury and you can't necessarily tell that by saying well what was the injury um, so there are uh, testing that the athletes here in in Brookings go through to um, uh, kind of get an idea of how quickly and how robustly their brain works. And uh, when they get a concussion, they will go through that testing again. And that gives us an idea of when their brain is back to baseline. And I think that that's a really important thing. If we don't have that testing ahead of time, um, we can use kind of standards for that child's age and, kind of academic performance and there's some uh, physical standards that that we can use and some physical landmarks I know I had a a young lady at one point who'd had a concussion and she was a skater and uh, what was really dramatic because she kept saying well no I feel fine I feel fine and then I had had her try to balance on one leg You know again she's a skater and she's a pretty good skater and she couldn't do it and that that was just a very very dramatic uh, proof to her and her parents that no she's not ready to, to go back that brain is still healing so so basically if there's a concussion if there's a question go in and and see your doctor and don't push it because if you push it that that return to normal is going to be longer. That brain needs rest to heal.
0: Okay, great advice. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, but we had another oh. call come in, and a
1: caller shots. would like you
0: to talk about sixth grade meningitis vaccine. You know, I
1: love to talk about shots. You do. <laughs> I do. Right. I love to talk about oh, shots. Sixth okay, grade meningitis. So vaccine. the meningitis Tell us about vaccine. Um, you know, we historically we have given this this vaccine kind of at college entry. Uh, And recently, the CDC, the Vaccine Advisory Committee, the people who make, the experts that make these recommendations, um, there's been a little bit of shift in the demographics of the disease. And we're seeing, and some of that may be because we've been successful with the vaccine at reducing the rates in college, they've recommended that we start giving that vaccine at middle school entry. Now, this doesn't protect from all the types of meningitis under the sun but it protects from uh, particularly virulent particularly dangerous forms of meningitis so uh, there is a recommendation at middle school entry for a for a vaccine with that meningitis vaccine and also, we, we administer a booster at college entry with that one. There's also a recommendation for the uh, tetanus booster, the pertussis whooping cough booster at sixth grade entry. And the other thing that I really encourage parents to do at sixth grade is to get started in with the uh, human papillomavirus vaccine, the Gardasil vaccine to protect their children um, from infection with a virus that can cause cervical cancer, vulvar cancer. Anal cancers, penile cancers, and throat cancers. So um, there's a lot of vaccines to be thinking of at that age group.
0: Do um, I, I haven't had a sixth grader for a lot of years, but when they enter sixth grade, is there a set? number uh, do they have to see a doctor before entering sixth grade is there some setup there you know there's not um, there should be but there's really not okay so if they're going to get these it, the school just recommends it and the, then they go know, see their my doctor un-
1: my understanding is that there's a new law that says that that particularly that um, the tetanus vaccine is mandatory And the school actually had a vaccine night that kids could participate in. Uh, But uh, encourage your children, your grandchildren, uh, call their doctor, get in and get the shots.
0: All right, that's great. Well, we are, we have really enjoyed this. I have enjoyed this program. and If I enjoy it, I usually figure it. the <laughs> listeners are enjoying it. So we hope all of you have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. As always, you can hear more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org, where you may also learn more about the exciting activities of the Healing Words Foundation. Thank you, Dr. Johnston. It has been great to have you here today. Thank you. It's been wonderful to be here, Joan. Okay, and thanks to all of you listening to Prairie Doc Radio. I'll close with Dr. Holmes' weekly reminder stay healthy out there, people.